You're listening to The Process with Peter Barton, presented by Open Studio. Welcome back to The Process. I'm so excited to have Anat Cohen, clarinetist, saxophonist, musician, entrepreneur, record label director and owner, and and so much more, and my good friend straight from Brooklyn, New York, by way of Rio de Janeiro. What's going on, Anat? (laughs) Hi, Peter. (laughs) So glad that Yeah, so glad to have you here and to just talk about your process, your music, um, where you come from, where you're going, all those great things. Um, you know, we've had a lot of musical conversations on the bandstand and some life and musical conversations off the bandstand, but your story is is certainly unique in the jazz world or creative music world, whatever we want to call this. But it's also, I think, we're going to find very similar to a lot of the other wonderful musicians um, that I'm getting to talk to and that I'm privileged enough to say are my friends as well. Um, so maybe we can just kind of go back to the beginnings um, which is Tel Aviv, Israel, right? Tel Aviv, Israel, it's, it's uh, exactly where it all began. That's where it all began. Not only civilization <laughs> as a whole, but a not. So I know you're from a, a super musical family, and I know your brothers a little bit, um, but does it go beyond that with your parents, with aunts and uncles? Because I, I kind of have the feeling it does. Well, you know, not uh, it, it goes in a way of, of loving music, but not really in the, as professional musicians. I think we are... Uh, for whatever it means to be a professional musician, I guess you'll be out there and pursue a career in music and make it your main, the main thing you do. And then it's just the three of us uh, in the immediate family. Right. And uh, later on, there's some, there's some cousins that, right. uh, that are performing, they're in Israel performing. But yeah, my, my two brothers who are an uh, uh, inseparable part of, of my, my musical journey and, and definitely an, an immense uh, inspiration and, and uh, an influence on, on who I am as, as a person and who I am as a musician. Uh, my, my older brother, who both, uh, uh, my younger brother, Avishai, and I, we, we look at him as our leader, mm-hmm. fearless leader. Um, as a, I guess that's when you're the f- firstborn. It's kind of, you get stuck in that role of... It's part of the gig, it's right? It's part of the gig. <laughs> you're like, this is, that's, that's, this is it. You've got to lead the, bro- the bros. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my older brother, Yuval, was just a year and a half older than me. He, um, incredible person and, uh, and extremely dedicated, uh, a wonderful saxophone player, composer, um, and my younger brother, which is, you know, I guess the, he's always going to be my younger brother. That's not going to um, change. <laughs> yeah, my little, little bro, Avishai, uh, plays the trumpet, um, travel, travels the, the world, and uh, doing good, bringing good stuff to the world. Um, right. And, um, you know, just grew up. I don't know how, it, how, I don't know how we end up being, three of us being jazz musicians, but I think it was really cool. And now being a little older, I understand that as a parent, it's it's an awesome thing to just take your three kids and drop them off in the conservatory and says, and say, see you at night. There's nothing more convenient. I mean, <laughs> I have three kids, and that's super. I wish I'd thought that through a little better. Have them all do the same music or sport or something. That's a beautiful. Thing. And you guys are close in age. We're close in age, and, and and we were went to the same schools. We grew up in Tel Aviv, and we went to after the primary school. We all went to this. 
junior high school for the arts, and mm. from there there was a recommendation for for conservatory for after school. So not only the school would go late until like 3 p.m. From there we would go directly to this conservatory, and we would just stay there until 8 p.m. Wow. Two two times a week and twice a week, and then one day we stayed until like five on Friday because there was a big band rehearsal. Nice. But uh, so basically. You know, from from a very uh, early age, I mean, I started to to, to play the, the clarinet when I was about twelve. Mm-hmm. So I I um I was going to to junior high school where I was a class studying classical clarinet and mm-hmm. playing you know Mendelssohn and you know chamber music. And then in the afternoon, I would go and take some private clarinet uh, lessons and then join the youth uh, youth orchestra or what they call the band music, which mm-hmm. is kind of bizarre. <laughs> repertoire is a mixture of uh, cl- light classical and some swinging, some Donut Bernstein. So, you know, it's like Sousa, a lot of ev- everything, a mishmash. Right, right. And then uh, and they also had, uh, in that conservatory, they offered um, jam- some jazz ensembles. They had uh, what they called Dixieland Band, you know, playing the music of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And they had a big band. And I think for every musician, that's probably... It's probably the same of the when you meet somebody that is passionate about really about anything, then they like ah they show you how much they love it and how cool the thing is. Then you just want to be part of it as a kid. It's just influencing, influencing you. So I I started to play the the music of New Orleans when I was you know about thirteen and I had no idea I knew nothing about improvisation. I mean I could read music, I could have a sound of the clarinet, I could you know, slowly getting better because I kept taking lessons. I read all the written solos. They had right, the, the, right, the, right. the charts of the original Dixieland band. And, right. and I was like, wow, this feels great. I love it. Yeah. I love this, like, everybody's like, you know what I loved about it? I loved it that it was joyous. Mm. And, and you know, I think... Uh, I guess forever I'll, I will make a little bit of comparison between um, classical music and jazz, but being like in, at the same time being in junior high school playing chamber music mm-hmm. and being freaked out about like playing the right notes right. And, and playing like, yes, of course you have to play the right notes always, you know, when you play jazz, you know, there are right notes and there are wrong notes, but it's not as, there's something loose about playing jazz and about there's freedom to put the notes somewhere else. Right, right. That classical music doesn't really give you. No. <laughs> so I mean, you got to get way to the <laughs> very expert level of basically composing it to be able to put the notes where you want them, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So so I was like I I just I love the way, you know, you the, the I love the the ensemble playing. Mm. I love the the fact that there's few horns together and always being like playing together uh, at the same time different melodies and in a way the talking back going back to talking about my brothers you know they both were, were in the same conservatory we went all to the same school so they're all they're both horn players my you know Yuval plays saxophone and Avishai plays trumpet I played the clarinet at the time and so you have already three horns and we're practicing in that way of playing you know the music of New Orleans you have three horns Right. Figuring out how to manage what's important about a melody, how to express yourself, how to accompany each other. And, you know, we didn't have 
my parents didn't make other kids, <laughs> so right, we right. didn't have rhythm section <laughs> right. in the house. Although my father always said, I'm going to learn to play tuba so I can play with you guys. Right. But that never happened. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, that's, um, you know, with being with my brothers and going to the conservatory and playing together in all those bands, you know, the music of New Orleans, playing in the youth orchestra, playing in the big band. That's kind of, that was my introduction to the music world and very quickly realizing that my whole world is about hanging basically right. with other other cats to play music all my friends you know they were doing arts or they're playing music and you found your thing yeah I and mean, I, I you know I didn't realize what uh, I didn't really realize at the time what an important it was just I took it uh, for granted what an important thing the social element has with playing music and how you know you're communicating with people on the bandstand, off the bandstand, which of course, as a, as a kid, you don't even think about as a bandstand. It's just rehearsals, and you know. Right. But this kind of like the, those things that you you find your chemistry between people, and through music, it's such a cool thing to find chemistry with other people because it's like there's no words. You just like it's just the eyes and the heart, right? And right. you just express, and you see. This look, you know, of like some of these, oh, they got you, and yeah. they let's respond, but they respond without words. They respond with. It's amazing. It's it's, it's amazing. A, it's a so as already as a kid, I we you know sometimes I got kicked out of rehearsals because I would be like. <laughs> You know, having inner musical conversations with other people. Well, the conductor wanted to do other things. Also, oh, you're bringing some of the the collective <laughs> improv you're learning from New Orleans into the classical world, which is generally seen as a no-no. <laughs> it was like you know, it was always the, you know, always hanging out. It was just, it was really fun. I, I feel extremely. I mean, I I, you, I didn't know at the time to appreciate it as I knew I was. I loved it, but right. you know, I didn't know what an important thing it it will mean for for the rest of my being as a musician and as a person. Right. Well, I mean, you know, it's what's been fun for me with you know this the, the process and talking to um great musicians that i that i admire is you know the things that are similar so like you kind of connecting with the joy of the music um at really a young age maybe you, you didn't totally realize it or whatever but that joy in the music be it you know in jazz and specifically like kind of the new orleans sound and then also with your brothers and that closeness and that family thing but then going beyond that you know with other musicians and and doing it in such a like natural and organic way i really see that continuing you know throughout your career to the way that you approach music and i think a lot of people you're kind of known for somebody that from the stage really knows how to communicate with the audience you know when you're speaking and people are always like wow she's so joyous and talking to the audience and i always thought i said well that kind of sells you a little short because it's really the same thing you do with your horn and with the other musicians on stage you're just a great communicator in general and that comes across in your music so of course it's going to come across in your personality because that's who you are you know huh. and i think sometimes people think oh we're so, you know some people are totally different people than they are as a musician but to me they're generally not that great musicians then they they haven't lined up their kind of personality and their music and to me your music and your personality are the same thing 
you you communicate off the bandstand. It's that same kind of joy and spirit. And I think because you have the technique and the chops. I mean, I'm not just to say you could pick up anything and like there's a lot that goes into learning yeah. that clarinet and the saxophone. I mean, we know that. I want to talk about that too. Um, but in terms of you know being able to get the emotion and and the 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 joy that you've always connected with the music and then give that to the audience. And hey, it doesn't even really matter if the audience understands that or not because they're getting that, you know. Hmm. And I think we're always, you know, we kind of come from that same, um, you know, mindset of like, we're not playing for jazz musicians. We don't want to just play for jazz musicians because, A, they don't like to buy tickets. <laughs> like, they, they, wanted, they wanted to put you to put them on the guest list. But, I mean, really, you know, you've had a lot of success with, you know, communicating with the so-called uh, just regular folks. I'm like, that's called the audience of art and that's what we're supposed to be doing huh. um, but it's fun now to kind of hear you talking about where that all came from and it makes makes a lot of sense As you know, yeah I, I, I guess so I mean I think it's all comes down to communication I mean otherwise what are we doing right you and know? I mean I think too one thing I want to ask you about is be a good time is you know you're really talented uh, at different languages learning languages and speaking them um, more so than I think any, like I always think about different jazz musicians that I've met or just musicians and it's so fun, you know, to hear their music, but then just to get to know them as people. And, you know, I'm I'm big into basketball, so I know a lot of the like great, I, I have this list of like the all-star jazz basketball team, you know, with, like oh, yeah? Marcus Miller and Jimmy Green and different people. But I, I would put you at the top of the list in terms of talents that are outside of music of just being able to pick up languages. But, you know, thinking about it, that's actually very connected with communication and really the language of music too. But I mean, how many languages do you speak? Uh, uh, I'm putting you on the spot. So you didn't yeah, know that was going to be yeah, an yeah, interview. Yeah, definitely. Well, I heard you on the phone last night speaking with our Brazilian friend, Romero Lubombo, and you went right into some very good, not just Portuguese, not like the European Portuguese, the correct Rio <laughs> style. I mean, I don't understand it, but I know what it sounds like. And you busted that out with ease. Well, yeah, I guess so. I, I uh, Okay, obviously from Israel that I speak Hebrew. Right. And that's where my I'm, I'm more fluent in uh, in Hebrew, uh-huh. and uh, I can have I can choose uh, the level of communication. I, I I'm cool with Hebrew. And you said too, you were just telling me earlier how you think you're much fun. I think you're funny all the time in English, <laughs> but you say you're much funnier in Hebrew. Well, you know, I like I like the, the to be you know be able to be witty and and you know the language has a lot to you know the little. Things inside the language, and so it takes time. Right. It takes time to be able to be funny in another language. Right, right. Um, so I speak Hebrew, I speak English. Now I speak English because I've been in the United States for twenty years, uh, so I can more or less communicate in English. And I picked up Portuguese. It's something that I just uh, I, when I started to play with Brazilian people when I lived in Boston, um, I just uh, I started to play Brazilian music, and I was like, I just fell in love with with everything about it it just it was so cool they were so warm and loving to party and right. and the music there's something about the music the Brazilian music that you know just I felt so at home and I was really curious about it. and in the beginning it all sounded to me like <laughs> it's like just this kind of language and I didn't care that I didn't understand any words of it it's just something about those melodies and the music I was just so attracted to. And then I was like, you know what, I'm just going to buy a book and cassettes and I'm going to try and uh, start learning and ask how to say. And I went to Brazil and I made friends and some are closer and some are closer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I finally I, I, I can communicate. Of course, I can't talk about, you know, 
astrology and astronomy <laughs> right. and stuff. Oh, you haven't learned scientific Portuguese <laughs> no, yet? No, <laughs> I haven't gotten there. But, you know, talking about music and life and, and food. Brazilian people love to talk about food. Oh, yeah. So many songs about food. Right, right. <laughs> it's so nice. Yeah. So it's just the love of life. It's just something. I well, think it's the joy, right? The, it's, it's the, the joy, joy, but, you know, I mean, I, you know, I think as, a, as an Israeli person to go to Brazil and, and see... You know, everybody, every country have uh, their own challenges, and every every country they're, they're, I guess, dealing with their own survival and history and what's in their DNA. And mm-hmm. but there's something so uh, embracing life. I mean, they do, uh, in Brazil, but they, they have it in Israel too. But it's in a different way. I mean, there's, it's it's in a more suffering way, <laughs> <laughs> or enjoying to suffer, right? Enjoying to suffer, right? Enjoying to <laughs> suffer, right? Right. Uh, and, Getting uh, used to suffering. And there's <laughs> something like. Uh, accepting the the difficult in, in in Brazil that is accepting of the difficulties, but yet everything is terrible. Let's love life with all the heart. There's some something that for me was really refreshing, and and uh, I was like, oh, I want to I want to be part. I want to I want to know how it feels. So yeah, well, and I mean, you, you you've done several records that you know feature you know really. I, I hate to even say like authentic Brazilian music because what is that? But I mean, you delved into different forms of of song and styles, and collaborating with Brazilian musicians, you know, that are in Brazil and in, that have been in the states for a while, but in a very, to me, very thoughtful way. And that's something that we don't always do great in the jazz world. Um, and I think you know, certainly, I'm sure learning the language and really you know being there a lot. Um, has helped and everything, but I think that you know you connected with the music in a way that was not like a gimmick. As far as I'm going to do this record, as as far as this, um, and, yeah. You know how did that happen? I mean, I can kind of already see how it happened, but well, I guess it, it's now that the way you describe it. I mean, it, and I'm I'm connecting the dots here. So so That's what, this is a little bit of a psychiatry <laughs> session. I like to pay, pay, Thank pay you. people in the process do, chair. Do I have to pay you two hundred fifty dollars no, no, again? No, no, this is no, this is free. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, the check is in the shemail. So, uh, so, um, Shimali. <laughs> so I guess, uh, I guess, uh, you know, it's kind of reminds me when, when, when I got to Boston and, and, uh, you know, I had a very, which I still do have a thick Israeli accent in, in, in my English. And I, I didn't was, notice. And I, <laughs> I didn't notice at all. <laughs> Are you speaking English now? I'm sorry. And, and, and it's like, you know, sometimes I talk and people have to like do things I say they're like are you from Israel I'm like don't it's like why why is it so obvious um and at the beginning I was like you know I gotta get an American accent figure which I didn't even know there's the thing of like the Bostonian accent sounds different right than the it's, South. Just, it's just as strange as an Israeli accent yeah, exactly. to me. <laughs> so I mean I lived in Boston I moved from New York, from Israel to Boston I didn't know it, the Bostonian accent, accent exists I was like oh that's English cool yeah so so and then I, I realized you know there's so many people speak in, in a, an American accent, a different accent. So I'm just going to keep my accent right. and and try to imitate as much as I can, and then learn what I can, and then try to be myself right. in what I learned. And um, and that was uh, you know when I started to play Brazilian music, it was kind of like you know I feel comfortable. I can imitate you know the feel, which really imitating a feel is kind of a bizarre expression anyway because. You either feel it or you don't feel right, it. So, right, so right. how do you feel a feel? <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. It's not something you think about. You just feel it. And, and I, it felt right to me from, from the first time I started to play. I guess because there's a lot of influences of Brazilian music in, in the music of Israel and the way I grew up, the people that brought that music there, and mm. I grew up listening to it thinking it's Israeli music, right. which really was Brazilian music. <laughs> um, so I just, you know, started to play it, and, but, but really decided to go like I came to the United States to learn jazz and to go to the source and, and really mingle with the people that are the locals, basically. Right, right. Mingle with the locals. And, and I think it's, it's something that any musician really ought to do if you want to learn about another culture because right. the music is inseparable from the culture. So right. you cannot just learn any music and say, oh, I'm just going to sit at home in my... In my you know, and just watch YouTube's and yeah, you could, I guess right. you could, but but, which of course back then there was no YouTube yet, <laughs> um, and I guess today is easier maybe to dive into other cultures without leaving your your living room. But, but it's it's a little bit of a superficial level, don't you think? Like, I th- I think I, you know I think uh, to, for, for me I mean the really going to Brazil and understanding the way people think, the way they plan the day, the way the way they just. BS you. Right. <laughs> the way they Actually, do they plan their days? Whenever I've been there, it's been a certain lack of planning that's been nice, too. Well, though. that's the thing. Like, you know, I remember, like, the first time I was in Rio, and then everybody's like, okay, they, they have this thing, what I call the, the glue syndrome. Like, everybody's like, at the end of the, the night, everybody's drinking. It's like, oh, wait, let's, no, don't go home. Let's go to another bar. And everybody's like, gotta go together to go another drink. And now, now it's the Saidera, the really last drink. And they go to another place. And then, and then everybody love everybody. Right, oh, everybody, right, right. <laughs> no, let tomorrow morning, let's go to the beach together. Right, right. Okay, I'm gonna call, okay. And then me, like an idiot, wake up in the morning and thinking like, we're gonna go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, the be- what's up? It's 8 a.m. <laughs> and nobody has any plan whatsoever to actually call anybody to go right, to the beach. It's right. just, it's like. The okay. idea of it was great, though. It was wonderful. <laughs> And yes, we are allowed to generalize here, by the way. We, we do that a lot of the process. But, uh. Okay, I, don't, I do not want to generalize because, you know, then there's this whole, like, Carioca, the Rio de Janeiro people versus right. the Paulistas, the right. people from Sao Paulo. The, 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 the they, people. They, they do a little planning in Sao Paulo. Yeah, it's a little I've bit different nation in a way. So Brazil yeah. is a very big country. Yeah. And, uh, so there's a lot of different different ways and approaches to life and professionalism. And But, um, yeah, Mike, I was like, okay, just know there's, there's certain things that you have to accept as part of uh, the nation. The way people, it's okay if you say nine and it's ten. Right, right, right. It's just, it's okay. It's, right. it's not a big deal. Well, in some places, uh, it will be unacceptable. No right, way. Right. There's absolutely no way. So, you know, part, so part of the, the simulation of the music is, is, is really understanding the way people lived, what they like to drink, how they communicate with each other, the physicality. They're very, mm. you know, they hug, they right. touch. And here it's like, okay, it's like... Right. They're huggers, may, there, for sure. <laughs> you know, when you teach in the United States, you always have to be like, um, you want to demonstrate something about breathing. May right. I touch you? I it's know, like, right, right. It's like everything is very correct. And, and it's like... 
you know, I think the United States is a little extreme on the on the other way. Right, right, right. Like being correct and everything, you know, everybody's afraid to be sued, so they can't say anything, they can't touch anything. Right, right. Which is good, maybe it's good, but at some, sometimes you just got to be like one person, you know, Absolutely. trust that you're, you're cool. Right, right, right. <laughs> Talking to a cool person, the other person understands it. Anyway, so part of the simulation of the music and understanding the music, I think it's really understanding the culture and uh, and um, and I so you know when it comes to the music of Brazil I, I really I just did the step I went there and I stayed a few times like for a couple months and learned the language and right. try to be and be there and understand how how it feels and, and you know I also think that the music really it kind of it's it's uh, it's the canvas for for it's not just the the culture it's the sounds of the, the way the birds sound when you when you go in Pinel when you go up to Corcovado and you kind of walk in kind of in a jungle and you hear the the sound of the trees and the wind and or you stand in in, in Ipanema and you kind of you hear this it's all part of the of the music it's not just you know so you have to go to a place to really feel it and say wow this is how it feels and then you imagine you know show beam and you know how people come up with like you know inventing sounds you know inventing grooves and tranquility of the music of of the environment it's really cool This episode of The Process is brought to you by Jazz St. Louis. For a full concert calendar or to check out some of Jazz St. Louis's education programs, go to jazzstl.org. So, okay, let's talk about Berkeley. So you so you you coming out of Tel Aviv in this just really idyllic idyllic. Now I got to practice my English, right? Idyllic. Um, I like that word. Situation, like. you know, and you know, like me too. I had great teachers, and you know, you don't appreciate it at the time. But then, when you get in the world, <clears> but, I mean, it sounds like you know, starting clarinet at twelve, and then you know, hearing the New Orleans stuff and the jazz, but being able to play with your peers, being able to the older brother and, and your younger brother, just really setting yourself up to. And then, obviously, there was a whole lot of talent there too, because you could. I'm sure there's a bunch of other kids whose parents are having them in that afternoon program. They pick them up at eight, and they pretty much sounded the same as. <laughs> When they dropped him off, and you somehow, <laughs> you and your bros were were accelerating. So you 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 had the talent too, um, but then when when did Berkeley kind of get on your radar, or even coming to the states and making that decision? Um, it was probably when I was in high school. There was a, I, I was a, I I say I we, the bros and I the bros and I we had the same path so. We all, we all went to this Tel Aviv uh, Junior High School for the Arts, the conservatory, the Tel Aviv Jaffa Conservatory, and we all went to this Telma Yelin High School uh, for the Arts, which was known for many, many years for the amazing classical music department. Yeah. Um, but somehow, and I, it was kind of a, a, a natural path from this junior high school to, to go to, that, to Telma Yelin High School. And um, somehow the year I joined that high school, I entered high school. They started a jazz major, mm. which before they had like a couple of jazz courses, but they didn't really have it as an official. You could graduate, you know, in a jazz major. So right. 
they started the jazz major and I, I entered high school as a classical clarinetist and I was already playing some tenor because I picked it up to play in the, the conservatory big band but I was not really really trying to I was just I don't know what I was doing. Yeah. I could barely carry it. <laughs> I hated carrying it, but I still hate carrying it. <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> um, so, but it's okay. I can carry the mouthpiece. <laughs> right, right, right. Pick up a horn when you get there. <laughs> yeah, it works sometimes. So, um, so basically, I I I entered high school as as a as a classical clarinetist, and the first day of of high school, the the head of the jazz major was like kind of like, so why don't you move to the jazz major? I'm like, okay, <laughs> basically, yes, I'll do was, it. <laughs> yeah, sure, let's do it. So my life kind of changed, and, and that with, was like the beginning with, of of high school. Yeah, that really was right? like I was sixteen. You know, I entered the yeah, fifteen and a half or something. So so. And then, you know, the teachers there were Berkeley graduates. Oh, right. So they are, you know, so there's a lot of people that it's kind of like for many years, people that went to study at Berkeley and came back to Israel and became teachers in Israel. Right. So my saxophone teacher and my, some other teachers in the high school were Berkeley graduates. So Berkeley already since high school was already on, on, on our red radar. Right. And then um, they had some kind of a deal with with. You know, the way I studied in high school, I was studied in the Berkeley system. I didn't right. know that. I mean, whatever. Oh, so you had to play electric guitar. Yes. The Berkeley exactly. system. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it was like a lot of things. When I basically, they're, uh, they're, okay, Berkeley, they are very, they're very smart people there, right. the Berkeley Empire. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is an empire. They're they're yeah. amazing, and 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 the the way they 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 globalize the school. Right. So they send their representatives around the the world, and they go to some major cities, and those people say, okay, we're here to audition, and they ask right. around, and they say, who are the top students? If you right. have any jazz programs, and they invite them to audition. Right. And those are the people they end up giving scholarships to come to the school, which is amazing because then you don't have to travel to the states and audition to the school. You just you go to you know to your city, you audition, and suddenly you have a scholarship, right? And they say, "Okay, I'm just going to buy a plane ticket and go study abroad." And right. So they they did it. They came to Tel Aviv, and they somebody said, "You want to come audition for Berkeley?" And I did. I did. And of course, Yuval, my brother, did it a year earlier, and so he you went knew there. The <laughs> and I just, you know, I just it was just it was the next place. Yeah, it was easy because there were other people that were doing it. I guess right. if I was the first person, it would be probably I would freak out and maybe not do it. But because there were other people that did it, Berkeley had always a re- reputation in Israel, and I had my older brother who right. went there and took a semester off to come back, save some more money, and we both of us came back together, right. rented an apartment, and then you know after Yuval and I went there, Avishai joined us for right. one semester. The three of us were there, which was quite hilarious. So for you and Avishai, you actually would have been failures if you didn't make it <laughs> to Berkeley with all that kind of lining up. For exactly. You, right? You, know, so you were just hitting expectations in your family. Exactly. And Yuval, you know, Yuval was always, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's excellent in what he does. And he basically paved the path for us. I mean, he was in a straight-A student, which is always excellent to follow your brother, who is a straight-A yeah. student. Because I had a sister then, like that. Yeah. So, then, so then you just, first of all, everybody's like, oh, cool, you're Yuval's sister. Great. So I already, like, you're probably, you're probably a good student. I'm like, okay, so I could be a little chilled. Right. It kind of worked the opposite for me because my sister was a really good student in high school. She's three years ahead. And by the time I came through, they all assumed I was going to be a really good student. I actually wasn't. 
I mean, I would have been okay. I, I had this thing of like leaving school to go do gigs. And <laughs> I didn't always attend. So they were surprised because my sister was there every day. But I'm glad it worked out good for you. Yeah, we're, we're little nerds. I mean, I wish I, I had the guts to not attend. I think you <laughs> I didn't want to say skip because my mom might be listening to this <laughs> podcast. But that's pretty much what it was. I think kind of the firstborn, I guess, the kind of the curse of the firstborn, you have to kind of be excellent and then right. the second one can be a little more chill well, and your parents stop caring as much and then the third, the third one like you know I wish I could just like hey you know I go I don't go whatever right. you know it's kind of relaxed but I mean you guys with the the and I'm, I'm jumping ahead in time but but not so much as far as the three Coens and when you play with your brothers now and I know you've done it you know since you first started playing but you know it's fun to think about this and hear in the backstory now that that personality and that dynamic between you guys definitely comes out on stage. Really? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I mean, please do Yuval share. is like, I mean, he's the straight man up there, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, he's super creative and stuff, but even just like physically and stuff, I think he is kind of the straight man. And you guys, I mean, you really, I'm so used to seeing you leading things. And there's times that you do. Um, and probably when you get paid, I'm sure you're getting much more than your brothers <laughs> if you're smart. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, the way you guys effortlessly go out in and out of, and I mean, look, it's in, in jazz, we're used to doing that anyway, if it was any three horn players, but you guys have that thing when you're playing together with the lines and stuff, that really simpatico thing, which is great, but um, I can kind of see some of these dynamics that are that are interesting, and, and I'm sure you guys probably have never even talked about it, it just sort of happens organically, I would imagine. It it. I guess it, it happens. Or, well, you know, what we did have to talk about is how to work together in a professional way. Right. Because as siblings, you know, the certain way, not only siblings, but Israeli siblings, <laughs> that, you know, we is have a... pecking a, <laughs> order? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you know, the, we, we, we do tend to be very direct. Right. Uh, so working with other Israeli musicians is fine. Everybody's used to the way culturally people talk to each right. other. Somebody says something and you say, no. Right. <laughs> Which then you come working with the United States and you want to work with your band and you it's like guys we we can't just argue you know or be kind of so harsh on each other in front of the other guys it makes people feel uncomfortable right so mm. I think what you know usually the musical conversations are very professional and very relaxed because we all know what to do musically but yeah. the personal the personality and how to to deal with each other and how to be on stage and of course. It's, I think it's hard in any case of being having three band leaders because you're on stage, you're with the three horns, so the three of us are in the front. It's not like I'm in the front and, you know, they're playing bass and drums and I can just make, <laughs> right. you know, set the dynamics. So yep. the way I am is different, of course, than the way Abishai is, the way, I mean, you know, I tend to sometimes be like moving around and jumping, you know, and Abishai is cool and Yuval, you know, it's like Yuval is more serious, Abishai is kind of, it's like, it's, but it works. Yeah, Absolutely. Saying that you could see, oh, absolutely, you could see the dynamic. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I got the backstory, <laughs> but the the cool thing too is like Avishai, you know, the trumpet is normally if you have three, you know, two saxophones, saxophone, clarinet, and trumpet. I mean, the trumpet is on top. The trumpet kind of naturally leads in a certain way, but he kind of he, you know, he goes in and out of that like 
he'll be on top with the lines and stuff a lot, but he's definitely like the younger brother up there. You can feel that, you know, which I think is cool because that's that's not easy to pull off, you know. Well, yeah, there's, there's that, but also I think it depends on the instrumentation because uh, we often get to play, sopra- you know, Yuval plays soprano, uh, exclusively now, uh, as he's no, no longer playing alto saxophone, and um, and I play the clarinet, and Avishai plays the trumpet. So we're kind of on the same range. Mm. So it's in a way, in a way, it's it makes it more challenging to figure out. It's not as as obvious. Like when you play the music of New Orleans, you know, then then yeah, the trumpet plays the melody, the trombone is underneath, the clarinet is noodling on top, and right. there you have it. But in that case, we can constantly. We change the dynamic because who's leading, who's accompanying, and that's part of the challenge of playing with with the, the, the three of us when we play together. So, so Avishai can. It also depends on the mood, right? He could just suddenly be like, "Okay, I got it, guys," yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like, like the Roadrunner, me me. <laughs> <laughs> so long, <laughs> so long, suckers. Right, right. <laughs> so he's like, he can just take off and go whenever he wants. But there's some a real dynamic of of, of like respect and try to make it be one sound. So. It's really cool. It's, it's it's extremely challenging, and it's I don't know if it's possible to do with if I play with two other horn players. If it's possible to get to this level of intimacy and and closeness in sound, in the way the, the where where we hear the pitch, mm-hmm. where the influences, understanding where something when somebody is going for an idea immediately, like say okay, we let them go. We're accompanying some, just feeling. You know, we play with our eyes closed, but we feel each other's personalities and body movement even if we don't look at them so we say okay if somebody is like being quiet okay we let them express them it's like kind of like support and and encouragement and yet like challenging each other so it's it's really you can't take the personality out of the music it's no. definitely it's all it's all one thing so. oh and it's such a great i mean who who would want it to i mean when it's good personalities <laughs> yeah and they can play you don't want to take it out it's, it's it's a cool thing but i mean i'm sure that there was a period for you guys and and for you you know with being two brothers and one sister where you had to kind of get comfortable with that though yeah it wasn't uh, let's just put it that way growing up it wasn't as obvious <laughs> as uh you know just being siblings you know people in their t- being teenagers you know this part when boys hate girls mm, i can't say that i i, I felt hatred but <laughs> but you know it, it wasn't as obvious as as uh, until basically we got to to high school age and suddenly through music i re- realizing that my friends are the same friends of my brother, my older brother, and the same friends of my young. Suddenly, like my, it's like it's a mixture of of hang because, you know, the music you can just, it's cool because you can play with all ages and it's like, right. it doesn't matter. So and and so it's, it's like okay, hmm, cool. That's right, right. It it the music definitely made 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 us uh, closer. Yeah. I mean, wow, just think of all the stuff we've learned from music over the years. And people kind of look at musicians as being undereducated in a way, but this <laughs> is truly something that we, it's like a continuing education. You know, it's like the Absolutely. university that never, if you keep your ears and your eyes open and you're open to that, um, I mean, not just from, you know, meeting people, but just the music and the community and traveling and then what what it can bring as far as these dynamics. I don't think these are things that most siblings that don't have that kind of connection would ever get to that level of intimacy in terms of, you know, whether you get along, whether you don't. I mean, I think you guys, hearing you play, the way you guys play 
horn, you know, stuff together, either collective improvisation or even things that are kind of worked out. Um, the only other examples I've really seen are like Winton and Branford. Mm -hmm. And that was really for a short period. Like, I mean, they played, and I know they've had their differences and they're cool now or whatever, you know, they've gone in and out. Um, but I mean, they had that kind of, and they were also close, um, like you guys, in terms of, I think they're like, they may even be within a year. Like, mm -hmm. Branford's old, older, but not much, you know. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that kind of like, you know, you look at other great horn or, or saxophone, you know, like Wayne Shorter and Miles, like, they had a great thing, but it was not like a sibling thing. It was very contrasting and, and stuff like that. But um, anyway, that is just a cool thing. So yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> super cool. So what? Are, so okay, just jumping back to Berkeley. So besides your brothers, um, that are there. I mean, I know there was another kind of. There's some other great Israeli musicians that were at Berkeley, and but I mean, who who was like kind of influencing you once you got there, as far as your peers? And I mean, certainly teachers too, or whatever. What was that period like? Or was it just? You and your brothers, and then you're like, I can't wait to get oh, to New York. Oh, no, no, not at all. I didn't even know I want to move to New York. And, you know, my brothers and I, uh, you know, we each did our thing, but we weren't playing together back then. Mm. It was not really, we were definitely each one, like, just going for whatever we were going, um, not thinking as a, f nothing as a, as a family. It was just going back home, knowing that they were my roommates. Right, right. That's it, basically. Right. Um, let me see. Who was at school when uh, when I was there? There. Uh... I don't know because I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> no. <I'm trying> <laughs> okay. So Miguel Zanon. Okay. Arrived uh, and left Berkeley to get the same time as me. We arrived the same semester and. Uh, wow. And uh, Miguel was a, a big influence on me. Mm. Actually, I don't think even he even knows that. Uh, because uh, Miguel, you hear that? Okay, it's out there now. <laughs> <laughs> Just because. Uh, um, you know he's he's from from Puerto Rico and and he's a very uh, um, you know excellent player. But we got to play together in a, in a Latin band, mm. uh, you know, which also very general name Latin band. But you know playing so uh, Afro Cuban <laughs> music and a, and um, and it was just we were the two horns, Miguel and I, mm. and just the understanding, you know, being. You know, listening to Lester Young, you know, coming from yeah. like a school of like, you know, laid back and swinging and, you know, learning a whole different uh, way of approaching time, which is basically on top of the beat mm -hmm. and, you know, playing, you know, Afro-Cuban rhythms that, that are, are percussive and, and mm -hmm. the way you, you, you tongue, uh, the, the way you you... And also his curiosity on stage, the way he was always involved, like with what the percussion parts, and always kind of like, you know, drumming on his body, like the same riffs together with the percussion. And just watching him and, and and feeling, you know, trying to imitate the way he where he feels the the, the music was like really, um, you know, beside the depth of the soloing and how what a great student he was. So. So Miguel was, uh, you know, we got to play a lot together and even traveled and played and played a lot of gigs together. And uh, mm. it was uh, it was uh, kind of interesting. It's it's nice to see him uh, out there doing his thing, doing great. Yeah. He's, he and he's an, an awesome, beautiful cat. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cool. So, one cat. That's good. Anyway, that's, are that's we, a, are that, we out of time? <laughs> oh, you got somewhere you got to go? Uh, no, yeah, I, I have mean, a gig we, tonight. I mean, we, we could, oh yeah, we do have a gig tonight. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Um <laughs> So, I mean, so much more we, we, we could talk about for hours, and we will, but the mics will be off. Yeah. But um, <laughs> a couple just more things I wanted to talk about. You have a long 
running band, which is like kind of a hard. Well, you guys still together? Yeah. Okay, you still got Joe and all the guys. Linder. Yeah, okay. <laughs> when, when they're available. <laughs> okay, so but I mean that's something that in this era um, doesn't really happen as much as it did even like twenty years ago. You know, we talking about I was talking with Greg and Ruben about you know kind of the early '90s earlier today when it was sort of happening more so. But you've been able to you know keep a band together of really like top players that you know have been somewhat. I mean, you've all influenced each other, I'm sure, but I mean, been influenced by your concepts and your sounds and playing each other's tunes and that kind of a thing. But for quite a while now, and first of all, how did that band come together? And just like, what are your thoughts on keeping a band together and, and, and how you do that in this maybe more challenging period, just in terms of the economics of the music and that kind of a thing and the importance of it, if there is an importance of it. I think there is. <laughs> wow, there's a, there was a lot of questions in this yeah, one so question. One A, so B, C. Oh, you can pick ABC. out any okay. ones that so you want. So one C. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's it's, uh, it's it's an amazing opportunity to have a band together to be playing for for so long and to see how people develop and to really develop uh, the trust between each other mm-hmm. and see how even if we play a song that we played you know seven years ago. What what happened to, with each one of us uh, during the seven years, and and really how how much more space each beat has, mm. and that's really I think what what happens with the development because sometimes, yeah, everybody is uh, keep practicing and developing, but but it's this like what we we allow ourselves to where we allow ourselves to go in the on the bandstand and and knowing each other and saying okay. And still, still being surprised of where the music can go to new place. The fact that it can just still sound new to me, and and mm. you know, playing with Jason Linder for, you know, for over ten years now, it's like, it's just, it's, 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 it's a trip. Yeah, like I, you yeah. know, I mean, he, I know for sure that he will not play anything the same way twice. Right. Yeah, ever. Even right. if you really want him to play the same thing. The same way, <laughs> twice. Oh, has that ever come up, perhaps? <laughs> What's will, up, Jason? It will not happen, but, you know, in in a very creative way because right. he will always like, no, this is, no, this has been done already. I want to do it in a different way, which is, it's very original. And, and I always uh, have the, my analogy of Jason, like, when he plays music, it's like a, it's like watching a kid, you know, playing with like, you know, little cubes, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I was like, mm, let's see, I have all those things, what I can do today, let's put everything in one pile, or let's just, <laughs> just use. it's like always like new and fresh and, and it's, it's, it's fascinating and, and he's always into whatever is the latest thing. Right, right. So, so I think it's, it's great because. I mean, I I love having the same the same people in the band, but I also love playing with other people. But since you talk about economics, you know, and <laughs> I'm not touring twelve months a year, so so You're pretty close to it. I mean, though. no, I'm not touring with my band. <laughs> right, I mean, I'm, right, I'm, right, I'm, right. I'm 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 grateful to to be working and doing different things, but I'm right. happy that I'm not only doing my own quartet because that allows me and allows the other guys in the band to go out and play in other projects, right. lead their own bands, or be sidemen to other people. And get get deeper into some other sounds, and right. then we we meet. Sometimes after a few months, we meet again. And it's like, wow, right? Where have you been? Right, right, how, right. Gr- how great it is! Right, to, what they to bring into the yeah, they sound yeah. different. They have they they're into other things. The new rhythms, new sounds, new even keyboards, new like whatever it is. It's yep. like, and I love it that that people just I, inco- I I would like them to just go and play with other people. Right, and. 
feel fresh because you know if you I think for any musician if you just play one thing it it gets it gets it's a little stale dull, yeah, yeah. It gets a little stale and uh, and I think part of the the amazing thing about living in New York City is that that you can really you can be in the city and play a lot of different things right even you know two three things in one day that are completely different you know I can, right. And and it's 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 great. So so um, you know I love I love the guys. Joe Martin is an incredible uh, bass player, and yeah, sometimes he's busy and uh, you got to play with other people. And you know, and yeah. I play with Daniel Friedman for all these years. And you know, it's, I love his dedication and he's extremely musical and he's always there. And, and you get you get the, the the musical support and the emotional support. And you know, and the emotional part is as we at the beginning of the podcast that we start to talk. It's like. It's a big part of it. Yeah. It's the personality. It's the communication. So if if you know, I just I don't want to just play over other musicians. I want to play play with to get the joy of like a conversation inside and how things feel. So I feel like when I play with them, we found a way for each person to just to be ourselves. Right. Right. testament to you as a band leader and and you're a very strong band leader and i'd say that in the the i know i joke you about being pushy <laughs> but i say that in the you're a pushy band leader in the right ways like but you always like to i mean but just the fact that you've had you have such great players i mean you could just have some like young scrubs or, or whatever or not even scrubs just some you know some players that would probably be there for you every time you pick up the phone yes i'll be there yes i'm not but I mean, you know, you you want to surround yourself with personalities and strong. I mean, you talk about Jason Lindner, who's really a leader in his own right. I mean, just musically and otherwise, and somebody that's gonna challenge. I mean, he's known to do that, like to challenge and to change things up. But he's a great accompanist too. I mean, he understands that whole part of the piano and how important he is. I mean, he's just a great player. So I mean, to be able to you know to keep those personalities together and to to affect their sound and let them affect you is, is is such an important part of jazz and it's not I mean I'm I don't usually like to to uh, politicize too much on the process but I think that that is something that needs to be happening more in the music like it used to it's just important for the development of it it's extremely important I agree with you that I think that uh, now talking about the economics and the way the world is today it's really challenging for younger uh, for younger I need to say the word younger but it's challenging for people to keep one band because it's just you know, there's just not a lot of places left to play. And if you you have, you know, if people want to start a band and, you you know, it, it often happens. I have a gig and then I don't have a gig for a couple of weeks and then I want to, you know, then people take a tour, you know, with somebody else and then I have another gig and I have to play with different people. Right, right. So I was fortunate enough to be playing with the same people for a long time and sometimes have subs but go back to the core band. Um, so I, we can actually develop a sound, but it's very hard today for for people to to keep one band together. Just it's 
they, you know, you can't pay a retain, retainer. Right, right. So, exactly. so you know, what do, what do you do? How do people do that? What do you think? Uh, I don't know because I, I have the same problem. I mean, it's like I, I'm like you. I want to have the, you know, for my trio, I want to have, the, you know, I pick the, the cats that I want to play with who happen to be two of the best on the planet. So, like, they're never available. And exactly. then I'll get a gig and it's, you know, I mean, they're not never, but we're playing a gig tonight. See, that's going to be nice. But, um, no, I think, you know. We're, we're plugging away all of us in our in our way and, and making these connections and have this great community and, and and you know of different players and coming together. I think I think it's just changing, but I think we're we're adapting. We're still yeah. here, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. All right. So real quick, because I mean we uh, we can talk forever, like I said, and maybe we we'll could. just start doing this. Maybe sure. it'll just be an unlimited podcast. It'll be like a you know Apple iTunes will be calling us. You cannot submit four hours of uh audio anymore but um <laughs> your new record and i don't want to I, I do not speak portuguese great alegria alegria de casa. oh alegria da casa yeah so say it again that's so beautiful the way you say that alegria da casa alegria de ca alegria de casa that's, this doesn't have the same thing um and it's, i know this is like a little bit changing from what we're talking about with your band but can you just tell us a little bit about um you know the process how that came about i mean we kind of covered a little bit in our talking about yeah. Brazil and stuff but it's but it's a cool thing yeah I mean actually it's it's yeah, it, I mean we put it out this year but we recorded it already three years ago mm -hmm. so it's it's uh it's uh, it's an album I recorded with my friends it's a band called trio Brasileiro and it's two brothers that means Brazilian trio by the way that's exactly. what that translates as <laughs> thank you uh, it's two brothers from uh, Sao Paulo uh, Douglas Laura and Alexandre Laura um, and a mandolin player from Brasilia Mm. Um, called Dudu Maya, and I met them teaching in Port Townsend, mm. uh, where they have. Um, okay, the music is Shoro. We're playing Shoro music on that album. On the next album that we're going to record later this year, probably we're going to have other influences and other things coming into the music. But that album we did, Alegria da Casa, is, is Shoro. It's original compositions and traditional compositions of Shoro, which is uh, music I fell in love with and I dedicate part of my life to, to learn and to imitate and to be free in. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they have a Shoro workshop every year, um, the end of April, outside of Seattle in, the, in Port Townsend. And it's uh, four days that are strictly uh, dedicated to Shoro and it's for all levels and whoever wants to go can just come and, and play Shoro and learn about it. and. Mm. and it's just beautiful. It's very Brazilian feel because at the end of every night we just get together and people take out there some wine and we just sit around the table and, and this music, since it's all played with small, there's nothing electric, right, you right. know, about it. So you just like sit around the table and you just, you jam and and you play for hours and hours and it's it's wonderful uh, experience. And I fell in love with this music and I met these guys teaching in that uh, uh camp and in Port Townsend and uh, I said guys I let's record together and the next opportunity when I went to Brazil um, I went up to Brasilia and we recorded in Dudu's studio he mm. has a home studio he has a a great TV show called uh, Casa Casa do Som the house of sound mm. and uh, which you can check out at some point yeah and uh, they That's are his TV show yeah nice it's really cool and he hosts musicians and and uh, and uh, talk, people talk about the music. It's like a video po podcast. Ah, video podcast, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll get into that. Yeah, you, should, you really should. It's really great, and he has great people and great sound, and it's always people talk about the process. It's, 
it's, we're it's great. If, if that if that's kind of online, we're going to link up to that. Yeah. Here. If there's no link, that means it's not online. It is. It <laughs> should be. Should be online. It should be. Cool. Um, so so we recorded in his home studio and we, we hung out. We played for three nights at the Clube do Choro, the Choro Club in Brasilia, and then we stayed in Brasilia and we recorded together. And uh, I I love these guys. Um, Douglas, is it time to leave? <laughs> That's the room telling us time. But keep going. Come on. Uh, do your just thing. to say, um, um, Douglas Laura is, a, is an amazing uh, guitar player, seventh string guitar player, which is a very Brazilian thing. Yeah. Um, and he's actually a classical. Uh, a classical guitar player. He plays concerts with his duo, his Brazil guitar duo, mm -hmm. and they travel the world playing with symphonic orchestras, playing classical concerts, and he also plays Brazilian shore and Brazilian popular music. Nice. So it's just, it's just, they're beautiful people, amazing musicians, amazing players, sensitive, loving, care about the details of, of, mm -hmm. of melody, the, de the way things feel, and, and how to interact, which is, you know, really as a, as a home player, you know, I don't have many things to do on the bandstand. All I, I care about that is my job is to take a melody and play it mm. in the most beautiful way I can. And that I think that the melody wants to be played. Mm. And that's really, you know, I have a simple job. You as a piano player have way more things to think about. You know, yes, I can add other things, but bottom line, that's all I do. I play a melody in a beautiful way. And that's the goal. And you have achieved that. <laughs> so, yeah. Alegria so with, uh, de Casas. Everybody go check that out. And you can go. To, they can go to anatacom, I believe. They can. Right? Is or, that the way to go? Because And now we, I want to just talk a little bit about <laughs> you. Because this is on your record label. Right. Which is like something that, you know, how long How long has your label been? An Anzik? Anzik, yes. Anzik. Anzik how long has that been in existence? Anatan music. Uh, Anzik, uh, Anzik Records is uh, going to be 10, 10 yeah. years old. So you got so into the record label business at the exact wrong time in terms of the world economy of, of CDs. But, I mean, what you're doing is, you know, amazing. You've got, it's not just you. It's, it's many great musicians. And so folks should check out that catalog. But they can go to... Link off of Anat. See, look, now I'm screwing up all my references. No, Anatcoin.com, so and then, of course, the, 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 the Anzik, Anzik, which means Anat Music, which really runs by the, 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 the master genius mind of uh, Oded Lev Ari, who was my partner, and uh, without him, I would not be probably sitting here talking to you. I mean, maybe I would. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but he's a, an amazing musician and arranger, and the, the runs Anzik Records. So, Anzikstore.com, you can. You know, worldwide shipping, free worldwide shipping. Come on, y'all, get up on that. Get up worldwide. That's how we do it here. So, yeah. So, and I thank you so much. This was like so cool. I learned a lot. Folks <laughs> learned a lot. We're gonna do part two and part three. Not today because we got a gig tonight. Yes. But you're gonna come back to the Lou to do that. I hope. So. I will to the Lou. This is the Lou. Oh, we didn't even talk about our our <laughs> mutual Lou. friend Lou Donaldson. <laughs> So we call St. Louis the Lou, where you are now. Okay. You know you're in St. Louis. You're not in Rio. It feels like it, but uh, yeah, you're in St. Louis. It's kind of warm outside. It's nice. <laughs> it is warm. But, um, yeah, we, we look. I'm already looking forward to the next time. So thank you. Thank you, Peter. All right. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Process. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider leaving a rating or review for us. For more information, go to openstudionetwork.com, and we'll see you next time at the process.